Welcome to TSO Consulting Group's DEI podcast series, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadow of Resistance. I'm Dr. Tanya Breland. And I am Erica Lee. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. We are here again, and we are are. always grateful for those of you who join us. Um, I'm Tanya. And I'm Erica, and this is another episode of our podcast, Why Is This So Hard? Shining Through the Shadow of Resistance. And in this podcast series, we discuss issues that prevent us from being socially just and free. So the goal here is to disrupt the status quo and to be the change that we all want to see. So what are we talking about today, Tanya? Today we are talking about standing at the corner of race and gender. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Okay. And we can speak to that because that's what we have had to do. Absolutely. um, You know, when we talk about that. You, um, You shared with us like, you know, the inspiration behind our title. Yeah, so we're really thinking about intersectionality. When we think about intersections, I think about my father who was born and raised in Philadelphia. And so when we would, you know, go to Philadelphia or talk about Philly, he would, he he never used the word intersection. He would always say at the corner of, so Mm -hmm. at the corner of Broad and Spring Garden or Mm -hmm. at the corner of 17th and Ridge or whatever he was talking about. And so I just thought about that language. the place where, you know, the roads meet, Mm -hmm. that corner, Mm -hmm. right? The place where um, these two concepts or these two realities meet. And so today we're talking about um, really intersectionality around race and gender. gender. So standing at the corner of race and gender. So how do you define, you know, intersectionality? So- And and you can use, you can use the work of Kimberly Crenshaw. Thank if you, you Kimberly. <laughs> yes, yes. So Kimberly Crenshaw says that intersectionality is the idea that individuals can experience discrimination and oppression in unique and complex ways um, when their social identities overlap and intersect. So we have to talk about social identities yes. so that right. you know, right. know what we're talking so about. The, so your social identity is sort of like you as a part of a social group that you're a part of. So African-American or female Mm -hmm. or um, middle class, Mm -hmm. like these are all groups. And if you are a part of any of those groups, that is a part of your social identity. It's not the sum total of your identity, it's just a piece of your identity. So it's it's your social, it's a piece of your social identity. Right, Yeah. and so it's not uncommon um, to be uh, a woman of color, uh, to be a, a person of color and be a woman. That's right. And see that there may be some some struggles. That's right. Um, that happen as a result of either being a woman or either being a woman of, or either being a woman or either being a person of color. That's right. Um, and that absolutely happens when we talk about um, intersectionality. It can happen with any of the social statuses. Yes. You know, yes. today our focus is going to be honed in around, you know, um, race and gender um, because it's kind of unique to some of the challenges that we face as women of color. Yeah. And so we kind of want to want to talk about some of that. Um, 
you know, even thinking about, you know, when we were children, you mm -hmm. know, and messages that we received about either being a woman or being um, a black girl, yeah. you know, being a girl or being black yeah. and a girl. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I always, as, a, as an adult, as a young adult, I used to hear that, you know, because I'm a black girl or a black woman, I'm going to have to do that much more yes. to get ahead. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, it's almost like I have to prove myself as a woman and I have to prove myself as a black person mm -hmm. yeah. um, because there are preconceived notions oftentimes in society that say, you know, women can or cannot do X, Y, Z. Sure. Or black people can or cannot do X, Y, Z. Sure. And so we kind of want to shed a little light on what that what it's like to live in our skin. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you bring up, you know, kind of growing up mm -hmm. because I have four brothers. <laughs> I have no sisters. And so there was a lot of first of all, you know, we're African-American family, um, African-American family growing up in the Christian tradition. And so there was a lot that came with that in terms of um, um, culture and, and um, in terms of our rules and what you can do, what you can't, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But then there was another layer, I think, for me being a girl and the only girl, right? Mm -hmm. I was my daddy's baby. I know you Okay, were. right? Daddy's girl. <laughs> um, and my mom is my, my mom's my mom's um, girl, too. Um, so I was pretty coddled. <laughs> Thank you, mom and dad. But um, but there was a lot in terms of there were a lot of messages mm -hmm. in terms of kind of what I could or couldn't do as a girl. Right. So um, some of it I loved, you know, the the dresses and getting my hair done. Sure. But all of those were expectations because the boys like all their stuff. My mom would always say, oh, it's so easy to get the boys ready. You know, you on another hand, I, I, I couldn't take another girl because there was a lot of fuss around how I looked mm -hmm. and how I presented. And mm -hmm. um, it was just another layer of that as a girl. And, right. and so very early on, there were these messages for me around looks, right? But also the fact that because most of the spaces that we went into were, were, were diverse. Mm -hmm. So there were, you know, black people and white people and, and Hispanic and Asian. And so because of that, like my parents were very, very aware of the spaces that we went into when we were the only African-Americans. And so just like you were saying, like, you got to do that much more. They were that much more conscious about how we presented ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there was always this feeling of um, there was a heightened awareness mm -hmm. of our behavior, of yes. how we looked Absolutely. and what we said. Absolutely. Right. And my parents warning, don't you embarrass me in That's front right. of these people. That's right? right. That was right. Yes. And, and so, these people meant people that were not black people. That's right. That's mm -hmm. exactly what that meant. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what that mm -hmm. meant. And so, um, so yeah, so I think very early on, there was a, especially when we went outside of the house, huge um, uh, messages and expectations mm -hmm. around what we will and will not do, what mm -hmm. we can and cannot do mm -hmm. because of the race that we represent. And for me, because of the gender yes. um, that I was, that I was born into. Right. Yeah. Very similar, very, very similar experiences. Um, you know, but, but it was, it was also that 
religious piece. So I mm -hmm. think I've shared in previous you know, um, podcast episodes that my father was a pastor. Mm -hmm. So it was also that pressure that I had to deal sure. with. So, you know, um, we kind of came up in that generation of, you know, ch children are to be seen be and not, not heard. heard. Mm -hmm. And so as a girl, you know, I felt that there was even more pressure to not, you know, to not mm -hmm. be heard. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be seen, I'm going to be seen in a certain way. Yes. So, you know, I am not going to be showing my body mm -hmm. in any That's way. Right. Right. You know, right. my legs aren't going to be out. I'm going to mm -hmm. wear a skirt or a dress if yes. I'm in church. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't wear pants to no, church. No, we did not. Better not. Um, no, absolutely mm -hmm. not. Um, and, and, you know, and for whatever reason, we just accepted this because that was the norm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we also grew up with the whole same expectation. You don't walk out the house with your hair uncombed, That's right. with, you know, clothes that look a certain way. Mm -hmm. You know, you your your clothes need to be neatly yeah. ironed right. and you've got to, you know, you've got to represent. That's right. Um, I don't know that my brother had the same level of pressure when it came to how he looked when he walked out the house. My brothers absolutely did not. <laughs> They absolutely did not. And if you're watching, <laughs> brothers of hers, <laughs> there's a <I> message. <laughs> there's a message there. Yes. Right. And so we we had to represent ourselves yeah. a certain way. So it was it was almost like you know we used we heard terms like ladylike. Yes. You know you need to be ladylike. Yes. In public. Right. And ladylike meant. Your legs were not That's like, right. you know, uh, um, apart if mm -hmm, you're sitting down, mm -hmm, you would cross mm -hmm. your legs at the, right. ankle at the ankle so that your knees are closed, That's right. you know, and <laughs> I'm serious. All of this. Right. Yes. You know, meanwhile, the guys can do whatever, whatever. they want, looking Practically however. laying across the table. Exactly. Like, you know, right. yeah. Right. Right. Uh -huh. and it was, yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous, it was. but it was this standard yeah. that was placed on our shoulders. Mm -hmm that we had to represent. Yeah. We represent our family yeah. and this is what we do representing our family. Yeah, I just thought about another thing that my mother used to always be like, oh. so they had this thing about, not only were children to be seen and not heard, but young ladies yeah. didn't you know, speak too loudly or laugh too loudly. And here I am, you know, <laughs> I talked loud, I laughed loud, and I talked really fast, and I talked a lot. And there was always this reminder of young ladies. And I kept waiting for the maturity to kick in where I didn't talk so much <laughs> or so loud or whatever. And that never happened. It never happened. I never got my lady voice, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sorry, well, you know, but, um, but, but, but those were the, but now my brothers on the other hand, they would, you know, come into a room and just be like a gaggle of, you know, mm -hmm. you know, loud and boisterous. And, and that was okay. That was actually yeah. ex expected and encouraged, mm -hmm. you know. And even like I had one brother who was real, it was pretty quiet. And, you know, they tried to encourage him to, you know, talk more and talk louder. And I, on the other hand, was like, I am, I can do it, you know. And they're like, <laughs> not you, you know. <laughs> not you, we're talking to him, you know. But there were these expectations around, you know, how you comport yourself, yes. I think. Yes. And yeah. that was like very, and I, and I, I think it's, it's um, not only sort of like this African-American tradition, but I think 
both of us having grown up in the church, you probably have an extra layer of expectations being, you know, the pastor's kid, you know, but there were these expectations Mm -hmm. around, you know, how you, how you carry yourself. And my mom talked to me a lot about how you carry yourself. She used that term a lot. I heard that um, term too. As a, as a young lady and, and my dad's, you know, extra, you know, and we're African-American too, and we're black too, and we're going into this space and you need to be able to, you know, um, carry yourself a certain Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, that, that is totally my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, because if you didn't do that, not only were you going to be an embarrassment to the family or to yourself, um, but people weren't going to take you seriously. That's right. They're not going to take you seriously if you don't present yourself or carry yourself a certain way as a lady first, Mm -hmm. you know, and then as a black person, because we are in a society where black people are marginalized and there's a lot of bias against Mm -hmm. black people. And so we need to be different. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to come across differently and better. Even the way we speak needs to be, you know, in a way that would allow us to be accepted. Right. If you That's will. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And failure to do that, mm-hmm. right, really meant, um, I think in, in, in our um, circles, it actually could lead to a loss of opportunities because right. you're not going to go out there and embarrass us. Right. You know, you're right. not going to go out there and, you know, show yourself to be, you know, not worthy of this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so you wouldn't get recommended right. for a program right. or you wouldn't get recommended for, you know, a really great opportunity that could help you either, you know, in uh, even the athletes. I can remember like my friends who were, you know, high school athletes and there was an expectation that even as athletes, they carry themselves a certain, a certain way. way. There was a standard that, you know, um, they had as girls that did not really, you know, um, it, it was not an expectation for the boys. Mm. Yeah. And so that was, um, but, but there still was this, even the coaches and the teachers, you're going into this space. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to carry yourself in a certain way. But yeah. even if you wanted a job. So, yeah. you know, if you want a job, Tanya, if you want a job, Erica, there's a way that you're going to come in to interview for that job. And it's going to start with the hair, hair. Yes. all the way down to yes. what you have on your feet. That's right. And so, so my hair straightened right now. And it's not usually straightened. Mm-hmm. It's but growing up, it was the straightened hair That's right. that got the job. That's right. I can remember my first job. There we actually had like the little which I think was pretty progressive for the for the eighties, I guess, but we had like this little office and if you wanted a job, you go and talk to this guy and he'll help you get a job. Um the first thing he said was, You need to make sure, you know, your hair is either pulled back. You know, you can, you don't want to cause any, no braids, you know, whatever. No extra tension. That's right. Mm -hmm. To your hair. Um, He said, let me see your fingernails. And at the time I was like 15 and I had like half a, you know, polish on half, but he said either have polish all the way on or all the way off. But don't wear red polish. Don't wear red polish. That was for the fast. Yes, it was. That's right. That's right. (laughs) But you know, and he said, and wear a skirt. Mm -hmm. Don't go in there with pants. I said, well, I have slacks. Don't nope. wear a skirt. Absolutely. You must the job wear a skirt. interview always had on a you you always had a on skirt. a skirt or a dress. Right. But that that's how that was what was required of us. That and was that's the, how we were reared. That's how we were groomed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To to do exactly because that. What what our, our parents in that generation was really trying to do was they were trying to get us accepted. That's right. They were trying to, you know, um, 
you know, position us in the best possible light. Yes. You know, if it's interesting if you look at old pictures um, from, you know, the 50s and the mm -hmm. 60s, and you would see when if people were, if black people were out in public, black women always had on dresses. Mm -hmm. They always looked like they were going to church. Yes. Um, you know, the, the men would wear um, mm -hmm. suits and ties mm -hmm. and dress shoes. All the time. And I, it makes, mm -hmm. sometimes I would look at those pictures like, well, did they have sneakers? Like, you know, <laughs> right. like How comfortable. You know, or yeah. tennis mm -hmm. shoes. I grew up saying tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. Did they have tennis shoes? Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, I, I've, I never, I've never seen that. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a judgment that comes and it's a little harder for us yes. as you know, black women, there's a, a judgment against us if we don't present ourselves a certain, certain way. That's right. And so it was interesting yeah. some years ago when I was interviewing um, teachers for, you know, um, teaching positions in the school where I was the principal. Um, what I noticed was there was a difference between how um, how the, the women came in dressed and in particular, how the black women came mm -hmm. in dressed as compared to their their white peers yes. who were inter interviewing for mm -hmm. jobs. So what was really obvious to me was the black women that would come in to apply for a teaching job look like how your parents yeah. and my parents would make us, you know, would, mm -hmm. would groom us. Yes. But I would see, you know, I would interview, you know, some white candidates for the job who would come in with like, you know, a sweater and some slacks and, you know, they looked very relaxed. Sure. Um, yeah. And it was like, they're here for a job interview? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I remember mm -hmm. thinking mm -hmm. that because yes. of the way that I was reared. Yes. And, but if we understand what was behind that rearing, that rearing was really about like, if you're going to be accepted in the workplace, mm -hmm. You've got to present yourself a certain way because you already have, what did we hear? Two, Two strikes, strikes against, against you. us. That's right. We did not mm -hmm. rehearse this, by the way. <laughs> no, we did this not. This was not, right. I mean, but yes. we would hear that you're a girl yep. and you're a black girl. Mm -hmm. And so you already have these two strikes against. That's that right. is what we heard all often. the time, all the time. And that's funny that you talk about, you know, um, interviewing, um, because I can remember the state agency that we worked for sitting on um, those, uh, those teams of, of interviewers. And, you know, when I got to the, to the agency in the uh, late nineties or so, I can remember the same thing. Mm -hmm. So the African American women that came in, suits like like and like the matched gray corporate suits, and there was a formality in terms of the the interview and the language and um, not this. It wasn't the same for you know um, I would say people who were not people of color, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the same for for white candidates much more relaxed, mm -hmm. much more informal. And I can remember having a conversation where someone in the, um, in, on the team, on the interview team said, well, I don't know if she would be a good fit talking about an African-American woman. She just seems really distant. And she seems really, um, she just, I don't know that she'll really mix well with the team. Mm. I said, she was an African-American woman coming into an interview this is what we were taught to do. So if we're not gonna talk about the qualifications here, you know, I mean, so it was good that I was there. We mm -hmm. talked about allyship before. Mm -hmm. It was good that I was there to just sort of speak up. But I think sometimes 
um, one of the challenges that we have is when we do, you know, sometimes we do have to be really formal to be taken seriously. Yes, right. Right. That's and correct. then the interpretation is she's really standoffish. Mm. So now, you know? now you're getting into something else that's that we as black women have to experience. So, um, and, and this is a, a, a real thing. So we also have to like not only appear a certain way, we have to behave yes, a certain way. Yes, that's so right. So we cannot be that's emotional. Right. Mm -hmm. We cannot get upset. That's right. Because we'll be the angry, angry black, black woman. woman. That's exactly. right. That's right. Right. And that is, you know, everybody else around us could be upset and frustrated. But if we speak up and say something, it's like, oh, you really, you really sound emotional. You really right. sound, you know, and it's like, I'm as upset as the person over here who's, you know, of a different race or gender. Um, but this idea, this, you know, this characteristic of the angry black woman being mm -hmm. ascribed when we feel passionate or, or, or frustrated, mm -hmm. you know, is that's a, that's a real thing. Right, right. That's a real thing. And, and we were told, you know, it, it wasn't so much never let them see you sweat, but it was, it was that type of messaging around how we show up emotionally yes, in yes, public spaces. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's because we could get the the bad rap, you know, if we emote a certain way or if we are if we come across as being too passionate. That's right. You know, that's a strike against us. Yep. You know, that's why, you know, it, it's real it's really a, mm -hmm. a an awful place. Which means that we have to taper who we authentically are. Yes, yes. And our authentic authentic reactions right like we can't be ourselves right right, right. and it's funny it reminds me you, you know the poem by Paul, Paul Lawrence Dunbar we wear the mask yes and it's that mask yep. you know yep. and it's exhausting yep. we talked about this before the exhaustion and the fatigue but it is exhausting not to be able to show up mm -hmm. as yourself you know because if I say this or if I if I object one more time you know, they're not going to listen because we know what happens, right? If we, if we object one too many times, we're not taken seriously or we're not really given um, support, you know, in an area or they just sort of turn, turn off your voice. When you start talking, they don't take you seriously. They turn it off. And then they just wait for you to stop talking, right, you know? Right. So, and then they talk about you behind your back. And then they talk about right. you behind your right. back. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. Right. And it, it's, it's, so, you know, it's, it's funny when we think about like, um, this DEI work that we do and mm -hmm. DEIB, you know, that belonging piece. Yeah. It's really hard to feel a sense of belonging when you can't be authentically That's right. you. That's right. And as an authentically me person, I am an emoter. Yeah. You know, I do have feelings mm -hmm. and I can be very passionate about mm -hmm. certain things. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't feel like I have permission yeah. to just express that, you know, in certain settings. Right. Um, you know, we do a lot of work around racial equity and we'll show up in spaces where we are one of a few yeah. people of color, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Um, and then, you know, black women, yeah. we're black women doing this racial equity work in a sea of white faces yeah. often. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to show up and be authentically ourselves yes. so someone can say something that is blatantly racist and we have to 
purport ourselves in a very professional demeanor and we cannot react and be responsive because then we won't have clients. That's right. right? That's absolutely right. You know? That's absolutely right. And I so mean, it yes. puts us in a really negative light. It does. Um, it does. Or We've makes been us in... feel bad. We've been know? in spaces where they've questioned our expertise. Yes, we have. They've questioned our data. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. They've questioned, you know, our even our sincerity. Yep. You know, the research. Yeah. You know that we bring. To we've the been table. in. We've been yeah. in those spaces, and you know, and it's um, almost like we have to prove ourselves. Yes. You know, over yes. and over again. Yes. Um, yes. And you know that proving ourselves is it's what I feel like we have just lived with our mm -hmm. whole lives. Yes. Yes. And I and I think that that's part of when we. Think about standing at the corner of race and gender, you know, that's the first thing you have to do, right, right. you know, as a black woman, as a woman of color, you've got to like prove yourself. You got to prove that you belong here. Yeah. You have to prove that you have the expertise to right. be in this space. Right. You have to like prove it where it seems like other, other, um, other races, other genders get the benefit of the doubt. Right. Right. So when I was leading um, an office in a, in a state agency, um, I worked in this office for 12 years. Like I knew the content. I knew the work. And I was still, you know, even when I was leaving, there were still questions about, well, are you sure? Should we check with? It's like there's nobody else. To, I'm the head of this office. There's nobody else to check with. Right. And there were still questions about my expertise and my competency. So even after 12 years, there was still like this undercurrent of, does she really know what she's talking about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, my successor was a white woman. She did not get the same pushback, you know? So it's like, you know, what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? And I go back to that word exhausting, mm -hmm. but that's, you know, that's what it is. So when we think about, you know, intersectionality and how our social identities, you know, um, just sort of contribute to, you know, the, the discrimination of oppression. That's right. Know. I mean, we really do, um, you know, that the two strikes against us that always rings in my head that we heard as kids. Yeah. You have two strikes against you mm -hmm. and it 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 manifests itself right. In, right. in different ways. And, and it's almost like we in having to prove ourselves it's like, OK, well, since you won't accept me like this, well, let me just go back and get another degree, you know? And then maybe then you'll value then. what comes out of my mouth. You know, and it's like, everybody else yeah. doesn't have to do That's that. That's right. That's you know? right. Absolutely. But it, is, it, is, it is a reality that we live with yes. on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes. We have to always check ourselves. We have to, to, to check our emotions at the door yes. when we walk into certain spaces. Right. Right. Um, otherwise, we won't be invited back. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, and, and, a, a, and it's, a, it's a tough place to be. And it is. that's not to say that we're not grateful for, mm -hmm. you know, what we have accomplished that's and the right. opportunities that we have had. Because mm -hmm. that's really important to mention, too. This is, yes. this is not a complaining session, mm -hmm. but it's really like we want you to understand that things are not just, you know, they're not the same for everybody that's in society. Right. That's right. Definitely there are um, just different experiences right. and different points of access and even different levels of, um, you know, perspective, right. you know, when it comes to um, different populations. And so, you know, I'm really curious to know, you know, some of your experiences around, around this, you know, when we think about, you know, um, we're talking about um, the intersectionality of race and gender, but, you know, there are other intersectionalities too, right? right. 
there's gender and um, ability, right? Mm -hmm. There's um, socioeconomic race. status. That's right. There's yep. race and um, neurotypical or being non-neurotypical, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's so religion. The, there's religion. There's yeah. all these different areas. And so um, the extent to which any of those areas have privilege or not mm -hmm. um, really cause, it shapes our experiences and it shapes and influences the way that we um, really kind of interact with people, you know, through our, um, through our lives. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really did enjoy this conversation. And I again, like Tanya said, um, this was not um, meant to be like a, a session where we're complaining, but it is, we do want you to know um, these experiences that are shaped by um, the intersection of race and gender for yeah. us. And that they're yeah. very real yeah. and that they are current. Yes. So we're not talking about, you know, 20 10 years ago, 10, right. 20, 40 years ago, we're talking about right now, like, you know, in the last month. Yes, that's you right. Know? That's right. <laughs> um, so, that's right. you know, these, this is a really important topic and we do want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, but we want to thank you again for joining us. Um, continue to come back, continue to share and give us your feedback. We really want to know what your thoughts are. Again, I'm Tanya. And I'm Erica. And it's been wonderful having this conversation. And thank you for joining us again. Mm -hmm.